chapter five i'm excited i don't know if you're excited but i'm mad excited so i don't want this one to go over 30 minutes like last week did sorry about that um thank you for everyone that's like commented oh before i forget because i keep forgetting tell me what you guys think about like the little background music i know some of you guys didn't even notice that there was anything playing but there is some background music when you first start the episode i want to know um if you guys want me to keep playing around in the background or if you guys want me to like stick to like one solid background so like yeah and then obviously like a comment on like the story and yeah um chapter five we continue the search for the poor girl who's being used as an ink bottle with legs but now we also start looking for the killer who's no longer as we are no longer willing to wait for another attack joel and solomon begin the search for the women all over australia that's that are middle-aged with hair about shoulder length that has either just moved into new south wales or has been living here all their lives and jamie takes me to the hospital so that we can make sure my wrist is healing or whatever she's (laughs) i don't know why she wanted to tag along for my doctor's appointment but i have a feeling that she just doesn't want to leave my side i think she's really shook from when i almost drowned myself in my bathtub but i did however need stitches because i'd one tore a few out too it wasn't healing right so yeah um the skin healed before the interior had a chance to mend properly or something i don't know but i'd managed to open the internal stitches without ripping open the external ones so i guess it could have caused like a blood clot i wasn't listening but the doctors say there was a small chance that I could have caused like a heart attack or like a stroke. What happens when you get a blood clot? I don't know. They seem to think it was life-threatening. But anyways, yeah. The doctor has to had to take a scalpel and cut a deeper cut than what I had originally had. So I remember that. Um, I had to get an additional 16 stitches. I found that pretty ironic. The doctor said I should be grateful that I didn't cut any major veins or arteries or, like, you know, damage my arm irreparably. I informed him that I would be more grateful if he didn't have to cut me deeper. But, yeah. By the time we got home, it was practically midnight. Well, not really. It was, like, 9.30, but since it was supposed to be, like, a routine checkup and we stayed there for, like, a whole operation... (sighs) I don't like hospitals right now. I don't like being cut open. I'm just grumpy. Jamie and I make sandwiches, some hot tea to help everyone go to sleep after a long day. And a long day to come. Despite being asleep for a week, I'm exhausted. I take the painkillers that the doctor gave me earlier and join everyone in watching a marathon of some sitcom on TV. Before I know it, I'm off to sleep. At first, I'm in a blissful state of nothing, but then I'm blinded by this incredibly bright light. It only seems to get brighter and brighter, then suddenly I can feel heat, as if the light has turned into flame and I'm being burned alive, but I can't smell the burning flesh when I try to inhale. But that brings the realization that I can't breathe. 
I begin to panic. Then I feel my lungs unlock and I finally inhale. I smell iron. Not blood, but something else. I just can't put my finger on it. Jessica? Jessica! A voice first confused and lost and then extremely desperate, as if she's believed that if she found me, then she'd be safe. Everything would be okay. I try to operate my vocal cords, but my voice has refused to make any sounds. After I struggle and choke up blood and something else, which is incredibly salty, I whisper, I'm right here. I'm right here. I try to ask the girl where she is, who she is, but I feel like every word I speak has razors that scrape the inside of my throat as the words crawl out. Jessica, you are my only hope. You have to find me. Jessica, I need you. I begin to drift away from her. Her voice is echoing in the distance now. I can't, I never got the chance to see her. I begin to feel my physical body. Someone's shaking me. Jessica, help me. Jessica. I wake up, gasping for air and grabbing my throat as I begin coughing. I go to the bathroom, ignoring the startled faces around me. I spit into the sink and open the tap to wash down. I look myself in the mirror, trying to convince myself that it was just a dream. A horrible, terrifying, non-life-threatening dream. Is that blood? Jamie questions from behind me as she starts as she stares over my shoulder. I look down only in time to see the last sliver of pinkish water go down the drain. I rinse my mouth out and more blood fills the sink. We're taking you back to that hospital. I look back and see Joel in the door with, and with one look from Solomon, I can tell that I have no say and that they will just drag me if I don't cooperate. I hope it's not the same doctor from earlier. The drive is silent. Everyone comes along, you know, except for like the maids and the security guard and, you know, yeah, the staff. Well, I have no idea who hired them. I mean, I know like Aunt Liz had staff, but they weren't around. And since Aunt Liz is dead, she can't call the staff back. Joel or Solomon must have done it. After waiting half an hour in the emergency room, waiting, surrounded by people with actual emergency emergencies, I know that the doctor will find nothing wrong with me. And after, an hour after I realized this, my point is proven. The doctor prescribes medicine to help me sleep better, syrup for my throat. I noticed that the medicine that was advised for my sleep no, sorry, I just lost my point. Hold on. I noticed that the doc- the medicine that the doctor prescribed to help me sleep is causes drowsiness, bloating, hallucinations, chances of severe migraines, diarrhea. I strongly suggest against the medication, but no one it, but no one listens to me. And I, even after I state blatantly, I don't want any more pills which in my opinion should have been enough still everyone ignores me 
I had to play the sadistic card with Jamie to get her on my side, and together we convinced Solomon. Joel never budged. Do you really want me to start hallucinating? I questioned him. Because last time my memory got messed up, I attacked you with a hot pan. Now imagine if I was seeing things. I might wake up in the middle of the night thinking I was being attacked to get near me, would just, you know, get attacked by me. This one's him over. And we simply went home, only stopping to get gas and ice cream for my sore throat. It was four o'clock in the morning. I wanted ice cream. I wasn't in the mood to go to school today, even though I had a lot of work to catch up on already. Jamie, who secretly didn't want to be alone, decided she would skip school today too. We all tried to subject Solomon the most, but Jamie made it a point, since Joel would be going for a job interview, well more like an audition for one of the new up and coming series, cause you know, he's an actor. Oh, I don't think I mentioned that. Joel's an actor. He's auditioning for a pilot, I think. I don't know. Um, so yeah, there was like no one to keep an eye on me, and that's what Jamie used to get to stay home. Which is completely fine, because last time she attempted to go to school, I was heavily against that, but that was like, what, a week? Two weeks ago? I need to get my hands on the calendar. So it was settled that both of us would stay home. It was fun. We watched movies, blasted music on the stereos, danced, baked brownies, cakes, cookies. We made tamales, spaghetti, hot wings, anything to keep our minds busy and our hands busy and our noses busy. We just didn't want to sit down and have the voices in our heads speak. The guys arrived back home at like five. By then the house was a mixture of smells flying everywhere. We ate dinner on the patio and I watched the sky begin to bleed its colors. The sun fell from the sky. It was beautiful. We stayed outside talking about our days and what we should do since the killer had seemed to leave us alone. Because, I mean, everyone seemed to be going back to normal. Well, Joel and Solomon. Solomon went back to teaching. Joel's over here going for work auditions. Jamie will eventually have to move on, but... I had this sinking feeling that I wouldn't be able to. Yeah, no, sure, it's only been half a month, but... You know how you can just tell? I could. We spoke of everything. Except for my dream. The blood. I kept waiting for someone to ask me what happened. But no one did. Everyone was having such a good time. Things were starting to look up for everyone. Except for me. The funerals hadn't even happened yet. And they were just moving right on. I didn't want to spoil anything, so I kept silent. Kept that stupid smile plastered on my face. And watched as they slowly started to heal. It's like when you get bruised, first you're bleeding and it hurts, but then the blood stops, then the scab forms, and then you're okay. They're at the point where their wound stopped bleeding, and soon the scab would form over, and then they'd be okay. 
I was still bleeding. I could feel myself slipping away. My bond between my siblings was breaking. But I also knew I was the one choosing to stay in darkness. I watched as the sky turned black blue. I start and started to fill with stars as my eyes started to fill with tears. The benefits of living away from civilization, I thought, as I connected constellations. I got up from my chair to lie down on the grass so I'd st- I could stop straining my neck. I gazed at its beauty, the sky, until the, fa- the shooting stars started to fade away. After a while, everyone but Solomon came to train me. Solomon had gone back inside the house at some point, I guess. I don't know, when I looked back at the patio, he wasn't there. But 15 minutes later, he comes out with a telescope. He sets it up. I look at the waning crescent in the sky, and I try to find the man on the moon. Any form of any type of connection, because the people that are around me, I'm not connected to them anymore. Then I simply let my mind wander. I think about the weeks of school that I've missed already. The best friends that I was practically raised with from birth that I would never see again. You know, normal stuff. About how their funerals had been postponed so that I could attend them. I thought about the burials of the five of us that we had all wanted to have at the beach. Our bodies would have been on wooden stands. We would have been wearing all white, all of us. We would have had our two favorite objects, one in each arm. Whoever was left in the group with our families would light the stand and let the water and wind wash away our ashes. This would all happen during the day. It would only be for the five of us. None else but us and our immediate families was supposed to attend the ceremony. At night, there would be a bonfire and everyone was invited to celebrate the lives that we've lived. We planned them so perfectly after reading a poem from like literature. We didn't think... I didn't think... I'd have to actually set them afire. It's Monday. Tomorrow's Tuesday. The burials, or should I say funerals, since no one's actually going into the ground, will be on Sunday. We would lay my parents and their siblings to to rest on Saturday. My mom liked the whole from earth we came to the earth we return type thing. I like the idea of being one with the elements. So did my friends. Hence, you know, our funerals at the beach. We would have the water, the wind and fire, 
and then our ashes would be mixed with the sand for earth. Jamie had told me that Luke's mom had wanted to bury her son, but she couldn't bury him because he'd already chosen how he'd wanted things. So instead, she wanted the cremation. So instead, she wanted after the cremation, if people would come with things that reminded them of him, and we could put that inside the coffin instead. The other parents, after they heard that, wanted to wanted to do the same for their kids. We would all lay side by side in like this crypt that they'd bought at, the, at like one of the graveyards. They'd even saved a spot for me for when my time came. All of this was supposed to happen on Sunday. Diamond slid down my face as I thought for the millionth time. Why didn't I die with them? If I was there, maybe I could have stopped what had happened. Or at least I would be with them and I wouldn't have to feel this constant pain. Like a piece of me is missing. Such a large piece, I feel like I'm not even myself. I wipe my tears away and go to sleep in my room, only whispering goodnight to the others. I didn't get the chance to use the telescope. In fact, I'd completely forgotten that it was out there, like they'd probably forgotten all about my dream. To be honest, I'd forgotten about it too, until I crawled into my blankets and let my mind drift, let the pain leave me as I entered the familiar darkness where I felt nothing, where there was nothing. But then the bright light was back, except for this time, it was weaker than before. Now instead of being fe- now instead of being face to face with the sun, I felt like I was in a car and someone with their full lights on was heading straight at me. But then the car that I was in catches on fire. I inhale sharply, remembering the dream from last night and how I couldn't breathe, but my lungs fill with the scent of blood and actual flames. I struggle to let go of the breath and extinguish the fire that has started inside of me, but I can't. It's trapped, just like I am, and the scent of blood starts to liquefy in my lungs, and they slowly begin filling, drop by drop, with blood. I'm drowning in a burning car with flames inside of me. The more I try to fight it, the stronger the fire becomes. My lungs are drowning in blood and there isn't a single thing that I can do about it. Then, out of nowhere, when I finally give up and just let it happen, my lungs begin to squeeze together. The blood flows down my nose in slow streams and I try to block it from coming out of my mouth, but it only makes me choke. My body is in the physical plane, turns to the side, and I can feel the hot lava-like liquid gushing out of me. This goes on for what feels like forever, but can only have been like five minutes. Finally, I try to make the connection between my mind and my body stronger so that I can wake up. A trick I learned from lucid dreaming, 
but the second I do the girl that was controlling my dream senses what I'm trying to do and the blood that was forcing that's being forced out of me catches on fire I begin to scream but I'm too busy panicking to know for sure if any of the sound actually makes its way out of me or if more blood is simply flowing out when I try to draw in breath so I can scream again I'm reminded that my lungs are being smothered together I try to use my throat which had flaming blood scraping up it and that only enhances the pain I clench my fists and try with everything I have to make it stop that only makes the flames stronger the blood more salty as it courses through the raw wounds making the pain even worse than it already was I begin to cry from the pain and the desperation to wake up and make it all go away then out of the blue my tears turn to blood catching flames along with my eyes as they're in their sockets I want to rip my eyeballs out but my body is paralyzed I can't even touch my little finger forced into being still I can do nothing other than just let the pain fill me and take me over completely my head is throbbing worse and quicker by the second and I can't even try to explain the excruciating pain that I'm in because there are no words to describe it then gradually it begins to deflate away so slowly at first that I don't even notice but finally the earthquake of like shutters that are going through me move from all over my head and only to the sides in one heartbeat the left and right sides of my head still then in the next heartbeat the throbbing comes back but it's in my ears this time my brain feels completely relieved like tons of pressure have just been lifted from it the feeling is amazing it's as if I was in total peace that's when the part of me that wasn't in awe realized that all of the fires have been put out with my head calm my beating ears began to pick up something a very small sound can sounds be small I can't tell what it is but I can tell that it's speaking <clears throat> it's trying to tell me something I'm sure of it but I can't hear anything but whispers the throbbing in my ears gets stronger but somehow it silences all the voices and I can only hear one no time save me no time save me no time she continues mumbling over and over again the voice she's using is the kind people use when they've given up on what they're saying but it's something to do so they keep saying it no time for what? I question save me no time save me she continues as if I hadn't spoken no time she repeats and then goes back to what she's saying after I speak her tone has a bit more meaning to it but she still sounds depressed like she has no hope that things are gonna get better at last she lets me slip away into a blissful sleep 
I wake up at like 6 a.m. to Jamie screaming, so don't know how long I actually slept for, but I got like two seconds of bliss. I open my eyes and quickly sit up. Jamie has tears running down her face and she's staring at me. Joel and Solomon rush to my room, summoned by Jamie's outbreak. Why is everyone staring at me? I ask, my voice slightly hoarse, looking at the pale, shocked faces surrounding me. We have to take her to the hospital! Jamie shrieks, still sobbing, but her sobs are growing gentler and her words more clear. Like she's coming to the realization that her tears aren't helping the situation. Maybe the presence of the guys comforts her enough to calm her slightly. Not again, I whine. I went this morning. The doctor said I was fine. Please, please, please. I beg them all in turn. Don't make me go back there. Solomon clears his throat. Sweetheart, you've lost a lot of blood. You have to go. His voice is near panic. What blood is he talking about? What are you talking about? I'm fine. I raise my voice slightly. The doctor said I'm fine. So why are your sheets covered in blood? Joel questions. It's obvious that the guys are trying to be strong and not panic or break down in tears like Jamie. But it's also evident that they're really close to lose their composure. You people have gone cray. I spread my fingers on what used to be sky blue sheets and feel the warm liquid seep through them. I look at my hands, shocked. This isn't mine, I whisper. Yes, it is, Jamie states openly, crying hysterically all over again, my denial only further upsetting her. Maybe it's because she has scarcely cried since her parents' brutal murder, so once she starts, she just can't stop. That's what happens with me, at least. Either way, my mind's too confused and emotionally exhausted to properly function. I get up and walk into the bathroom. I gasp at the image in the mirror, not believing it's me. Dry blood covers my nostrils, ears, the left side of my mouth. I'm completely scarred on my cheek. My eyes are bloodshot red. Not the way that they get when someone's sleepy or from crying. Like, the whites look like they're made from blood. I look up. I look back at my hands. And I remember my dream. This isn't mine, I say as if I'm referring to a t-shirt I don't recognize in my closet. I close the bathroom door, leaving everyone in my room. I take a shower to get rid of all the blood. I wash it from my hair, behind my ears, my shoulder, all over my face and fingers, underneath my nails, anywhere that I find it. I scrub until my skin is raw. I do a very close inspection to make sure I don't miss any. I'll come out in my robe and find that no one's moved an inch. Solomon and Joel leave after a moment so that I can get dressed. Jamie closes the door after them. I check my alarm clock. It's seven. Well, I guess I should get ready for school. I mumble out loud, but mostly to myself. If this, Jamie waves a hand to take in my bloody sheets isn't yours, then who does it belong to? I spot my black dress with layered puffed out lace at the bottom and start putting it on. It's hers, I state simply sliding the dress over my head.
Hers who? Jamie repeats, slightly impatient. I hadn't even noticed that she'd asked the question the first time. The girl, I reply, looking for shoes to match. What girl? Jamie sounds worried. Her voice is shrill. The one in my dreams. I respond, still searching for my black flats with silver hearts and skulls with diamond eyes. Jamie simply stares at me. I give up on looking at them and my eyes fall upon my black five-inch heels. Next to them are my black boots. Hmm. Boots or heels? I question my sister. She runs to the door and yells for the men to return. They come in worry and confusion, still fresh on their faces. Solomon's wearing his boots. I take out the heels from my closet and close the door. I've been putting them on. Jamie tells the others what little she knows about the girl. I walk over to my bed, strip it bare, both surprised and relieved that none of the blood has seeped into the mattress. Putting the sheets in my laundry basket, I noticed that the smell was here in my room, coming from my sheets. It's blood mixed with something, but I still can't manage to place my finger on what that something else is. I walk over to where the group is standing, in like a half-hearted triangle. Do you guys smell that? I wave the basket around. Blood. Jamie and Joel reply in unison, press refusing to accept that I'm smelling things. <clears throat> Solomon gives me a look that translates to, You need mental assistance? I shrug, acting as if it's nothing, that no one else can smell the strange scent. I head for the laundry room and everyone follows. They watch as I put the sheets into the machine and start the load. Leaving my basket next to the washer, I turn and ask Jamie, Why did you come into my room at 6 o'clock in the morning? Everyone turns to her, as if none of them had thought of it themselves. They probably hadn't. Um, I don't, I don't know. She shifts from one foot to the other, uncomfortable with the sudden tension. I just got this feeling that you needed me. And plus, I saw you crying last night, you know? I thought maybe you'd want to talk? She adds the last part as if it's obvious, but she still felt the need to say it out loud. Why didn't you talk to me last night? My question not backing down. It's really strange that she just happened to be there right when the dream ended. Right when I was getting some actual sleep. I couldn't help but think that maybe she's the reason that it ended. I was beginning to hear what she was telling me. Maybe if Jamie hadn't walked into the room, I would have been able to find something out. A clue as to how to find this girl that's being tortured. I know you. Whenever you're upset, you want some time to yourself before you're willing to talk to anyone. <sighs> I say. So the girl in your dreams, is she hot? Joel asks to lighten the mood. Or maybe he's serious. My brain's too fried from the fire. Dude, D said that she's covered in her blood. I bet she's in really bad shape, Solomon answers. Well, I don't know, actually. In my dream, it's always extremely bright, so I can't see her. So how do you know it's a girl if you can't see who it is? Jamie asks, wonder written all over her face. I can hear her. I can tell from her voice that she's a girl. I state with no emotion, just matter of fact. Oh, was all she said back. So what did she tell you? She's begging me to save her. 
Where is she? Solomon questions before Joel can voice another questions. I don't know, but I think she's the girl. I add before the next question can be launched at me. What girl? Joel quiz asks quizzically, fascinated as if it was all some type of complex puzzle. As if I'm giving him clues on how to put it together. The one whose blood's all over your house. I'll look at Solomon. How do you know? That question would go better with, I think she's one of the people that was at my birthday party. You mean the massacre? Jamie corrected. Yeah. Yeah, that. Well, um... Yeah, no, I don't... Don't know how I know, I just... I just do. I walk out the room. I thought everyone that went there died, Solomon said with caution. I consider letting his statement hang in the air, but think against it last moment. Well, maybe not. I put two chocolate chip waffles inside the toaster and toss the box back into the freezer. Soon the chocolate scent fills the whole floor. Well, at least it fills the kitchen. As I toast, I make some chocolate, cocoa, coffee. <laughs> Obviously, cocoa's chocolate. I mix. As I toast, I make some cocoa coffee, which would technically be a mocha, but I add some like special stuff in it so that it's not. That's a mocha. I just like being special. I add whipped cream on the top. As the waffles pop up, throw some marshmallows in, shavings of coconut on top of the waffles, and some chocolate syrup. Love chocolate. I sit at the bar, enjoy my breakfast. When I finish, I make a chicken and ham triple sack sandwich and put it in a plastic baggie to carry for lunch. Then I wash a green apple, slice it. Put it in a separate baggie and drizzle some caramel and slide with a splash of vinegar so that the apple doesn't soften too quickly. Adding a soda, a juice box, and a bag of chips, I pack my lunch and go back into the laundry room to finish washing my sheets. No one speaks for the rest of the morning. Everyone's busy thinking of the previous events. You know, that they would kind of already know about if they'd asked me about my dream last night. But whatever guess I ruined their healing after all. I watch the news as everyone else gets ready. When Jamie finishes, she joins me. That's when it hits me. She was at my birthday party. She should be a missing person, right? I mean, if my kid went missing for like, what, two weeks now? I'd notify the police and she'd become a missing person. Jamie goes to inform the others. As the three of us leave for school, Joel's left looking up missing teenage girls in Australia that went missing in the past month. That is the last paragraph of the chapter. And again, I've managed to overshoot. I'm sorry, guys. I feel like I'm just trying to make up for, like, missing last week. Oh, not last week. The week before. Yeah. Um, like, <laughs> like and subscribe. Um, don't forget to add this to, like, your favorites so that you can, like, tell when I'm adding new, um audio record episodes they're called episodes and um yeah leave a comment bye